Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by... A comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. For those of you joining us for the first time, Bad Storytellers is a podcast about a small group of amateur writers who submit and critique each other's work as well as discuss the written media we consume. It's like a book club but with a wider focus. Our group submissions are shared on our website, badstorytellers.com, and you can download them there if you'd like to read along with us. Additionally, we also accept your submissions for critique. If you would like some feedback with the same candor that we give each other, send in your submission to badstorytellers at gmail.com. Entries must be 10 pages or less. Additionally, at the end of each show, we roll the dice, pick three genres, and come up with a movie idea. Once we decide upon a name, we record the trailer for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. I am your host, Josh LaForge, and with me today is Liam Malone. Hey, everybody. Max Wessel. I'm back, sweethearts. And calling in is Doug Banks. Hello. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, okay. Okay, well. Well enough. So, we've got one retraction. Only one? Yeah. Uh, it's really just a clarification, because you couldn't remember the name of the newscaster in, in, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, bro, O'Neill. It's Carlos Chang O'Brien Gambe. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I completely forgive you for not remembering the whole thing. <laughs> I think Carlos I think you missed Jango the click. Brand. There was a there's a in there. I would yeah, love to hear that. It didn't, it didn't uh, put the click on there. Uh, so that's that. another traction for next week. Yeah. What'd you guys consume over this past week? I finished the second season of House of Cards. I watched some more Foils Ward. This that is sh- the American House of Cards. Yes, that shit is over for me. I finished all of that, and then I watched a documentary that was really really fucking good. It was called, I think, Searching for Miss Meyer. <clears throat> anyway, the story is, like, in 2005, this guy got, likes to go to estate sales and, and garage sales, and he just he just buys shit really cheap just to see what it is. It's kind of his, his little um, game. And he, he was looking for old photographs of Chicago because he was writing a history book on Chicago. So he ends up buying this, this big book full of negatives. It turns out it's the negatives of this incredible street photographer. Oh, I've, I've, seen, uh, I've seen some of those photos. Yeah, and they're really good. And then he just start. He gets really obsessed, and he buys up all the other photographs that were were taken up um, at the estate sale. He contacts the people who who bought them and buys them from him, and starts doing museum shows and f- tries to figure out who she is. And there's this whole story of how she was a babysitter, and kind of lived this really weird eccentric life, and just took photographs of people on the street. And w- was from France, but not really. She was born in New York City, and her mom was French. And she had kind of an affectatious French accent that mm. wasn't real. And well, it was as real as the way her parents talked. Only probably not. Oh. It might have been an after effect kind of thing. It was just, it was super interesting. The story was really good. And you end up falling in love with this woman and then kind of hating her in the same <laughs> breath. Um, because she is such a character. How like life? I, no, but I really enjoyed it. I think it, it's something completely worth watching. And it's one of those stories where you're like, you... At a certain way through, you kind of refuse that it's real, like like life could line up so perfectly to allow this to happen. But it was yeah, it was really, really, really good. I ended up watching it twice. Once once with my dad and then and then once when my sister came to visit. Yeah, I might check that out. It was on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Max? Um I have been watching Vikings. I started that series. It's pretty good so far in the second season. Yeah, it's. Okay. I, I I think I've got the first season on demand, but I haven't watched any of it. It's really good. It's very bloody, very interesting, pretty historically accurate. Not too much, but it's for History Channel. It's like an A plus. Oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You mean it, you mean it's more accurate than the Bible series? Yeah. They did? Oh, yeah. God. oh, okay. Or ancient aliens? <laughs> ancient Fuck aliens. ancient aliens. I would. Yeah. I would. <laughs> that's how. That's Which how. One? That's how humans got here in their present state. Iris. We fucked them. <sighs> And uh, I'm trying to get back into Dan Carlin's Hardcore History 
Yes. What you, which, which, uh... I just started the, um... One about the Mongols. Oh, it's yeah, like Wrath, five of, part the, Wrath of the Cons. He had an interesting point of the first person to write about the good things that the Third Reich did yeah. would be hated, but then that would just become a historical... Trope. Document. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And then I'm just trying to get certified to be a teacher. I took the first of many tests, which sucked. It was four hours long. And are are you as sarcastic with your students as you are with us? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. If he couldn't be, he would never survive. Of any right. age. Even kindergartners. What, what kind of, what subject do you want to teach? History. That it's, makes sense. It's my degree is uh, Ever since your, your uh, fact about uh, Queen Victoria oh. being as wide <laughs> as she is tall, I'm a little yeah. worried about that now. Hey. <laughs> history is just made up, pretty much. Yeah, it's true. It's made up by suppositions of the people who came afterwards. Yeah. So you could just suppose whatever you want, basically, and it's as good as the rest of history, right? No. No. After 100 no. years? Yeah. What about you, Doug? I watched and read literally nothing. <laughs> like, oh, I was wow. so busy with work. Like, I would come home. I didn't I didn't watch anything on TV. I didn't see a movie. I didn't read any books, and I didn't it's, listen to any audiobooks. I, it, uh, I, I got a lot of work done. So, I was going to say, know, is, is cool. that somehow related to the fact that you're now a hologram? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, also... <laughs> He's your Coachella I mean, style up in the studio. <laughs> I went, I voted. I did early voting, uh, and I did my taxes. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning to adult properly, finally, Woo. for the first time. Should we tell him our idea for next time with the smoke machine? No, we already... Oh, yeah. we did? I don't yeah. know if he was on at that point. But, um, yeah, other than that, uh, I tried to get as much work done on uh, all these other responsibilities, and then I'm like, oh, wait, I have... I have a screenplay I'm writing, so I add a little bit more. So you guys have already read that, so we'll talk about that when it's time. But other than that, that that's pretty much it. It's sorry, it's it's boring, but it's the truth. No, you're boring. It's, it's okay. We, I mean, that's why we brought you on. You're the <laughs> yeah. you're the outlier. Who'd right? you vote? I'm trying for? to be like that. I'm yeah. I'm trying no. to get a. It's, it's bad no. storytellers, not good storytellers. If I had a good story, I wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Is that do we have to leave if ever any of us has a good? If story? any of us ever becomes good, you, yeah. it's like we got to step out. It's a rotating. Yeah, we'll be the guy who calls in to make fun of the rest. <laughs> As for me, I finished The Lost World by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. All right. Uh, I saw the movie when I was a kid. I don't remember... Half of it? Well, no, I, I barely remember any of it. I remember the the Harry Harryhausen... Like, there were way more Velociraptors and Jeff Goldblum when I saw it. <laughs> I remember the Harry Harryhausen like, you know, a, uh, animation and stuff like that from when I was a kid, but it was very kooky. This book is hilarious. It is It is great. I, I did not know the characters were so funny and interesting. Like, for, for those of you who haven't read the book, uh, the main character is a journalist, and he's just all about trying to impress this girl. So he agrees to go on this ridiculous trek to prove this scientific claim that just seems so outlandish by this scientist who's like 5'2", but built like an ape. And he's just impressive and loud and blustery. And the other person who agrees to go is this famous adventurer. He's, his name is like John Rockton or John Roxton. I forgot exactly. But he's a ginger bearded man who's every bit Van Pelt from Jumanji. You know, when he talks to the main to the main character, he always calls him uh, young fellow my lad. He's like, very well, young fellow, my lad. And just, he's going to keep them all free from danger. And he's got the experience and the know-how to go into the jungle. And they get into the jungle. Oh, and there's another professor who's very prim and, like, upstart. So it's those those four guys plus whoever they hire along the way to come watch, you know, and help them through the jungle. They're being helped through the jungle, and a lot of the natives are showing a lot of respect to John, the explorer. And he's like, what happened? He's like, oh, well, I put down a group of slavers that have been in this area. So they all kind of – they all really want to help me out. And everybody's like, bows to him and, like, you know, it's really interesting. It's like, and they're like, geez, what would you do? He's like, oh, no, no big work, no no big thing. It's just, you know, I saw there were slavers, and I thought I'd put it into it. And then finally uh, – had the had the head of the whole thing. I killed him with my bare hands. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> no Tuesday. Exactly. So, but there's so many parts where they come in, tr- where they get into trouble, and like people are taken away, and the main character's like, "I don't know where anybody is." And John comes out of the bushes, like covered in blood, with you know, like, and he's like, and like gathering up supplies. Like, come now, quick, son. Come, come, quick, young fellow, and lad. We gotta, we gotta get back to it. You know, it's but it's just it's very funny, and uh, the the professor. Professor Challenger is hilarious. Like, there's a bunch of natives that they do something good, and the native chief tells everybody to bow to these four travelers, and they do. And, and the way the way Sir Arthur Conan Doyle describes it is like he's like, I myself am very uh, embarrassed and not sure how to handle this kind of praise. And I saw that you know John and 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 the other professor felt this way too, except for Professor Challenger. He opened <laughs> like a flower in the sun, and he says he says finally that. Can't say that uh, that native people don't have a, a sense of their betters, you know. Oh god, <laughs> it's Ugh. terrible. Colonial but it's good. It was, I was like, I was going to say. It's so really then great. it's like they're characters of the the virtues and vices of Britain. Oh, 100 percent. Because one is the super prim 
stuck up one. Yeah. The other one is the lusty drinking, you know, full of himself guy, and the other one is the intrepid explorer who's is just out to conquer the no land and is the face of adventure. I also watched two documentaries. You guys ever seen Bigger, Faster, Stronger? The yes. documentary by the Bell Brother by by Chris Bell. No. It's uh, it's a documentary about steroids. Very good because it's really about like his family, not so much about. I mean, he he you find out a lot of really eye opening things about steroids and why it's legal in this country and like all the crazy propaganda that goes into it. The idea of cheating and what does it mean? And he made two more documentaries since then. One was called Trophy Kids about parents who are like the super sports parents that are trying to push their kids to succeed no matter what. It's really good. It's, it is a very good documentary. I watched that, and then I watched the one he just came out with, which apparently is still touring in theaters. Um, it's available on demand through – I watch through Google Play Movies. Prescription Thugs. And it's much more like Bigger, Faster, Stronger because it's about drug use. <laughs> and it involves his family because he – his oldest brother died right after Bigger, Stronger, Faster because of prescription drug abuse. When he died, I guess he uh, – the, the Chris Bell, the, the director – yes. He was actually had a, a prescription drug problem at the time because he had both hips replaced. Ooh. And he didn't feel like he could tell anybody or seek help because his parents had already just lost one son. And then he couldn't go to them and say, hey, I got the same problem, you know. Yeah. And it's about like his story isn't isn't at all uncommon. And it's so predatory and stuff. It's really cool. I highly recommend it. It's a very personal documentary. I want to know more about the overachieving children one. Yeah. Trophy kids. It's it's, uh, it's less about. It's it's really just follows the parents with their kids, and then at the end, there's a little so and so did this, so and so ended up doing this, and it's good. I recommend it. Does it make you feel sorry for the children? Yes. In, oh, a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, all the time. There's a guy who wants his little daughter to be the next Tiger Woods, and she is black and Asian. You know, <laughs> and he's and, and he's trying so hard, and she. God, he's the worst. It's just so terrible. But uh, football dad was probably my least favorite of all the dads. The NFL finally kind of admitted that uh, concussions are caused by football. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was a, there was like an hour-long testimony, and they kind of tricked the uh, head doctor into saying it, and now he's scared that he's going to get fired. <laughs> oh, he can't get fired for telling the truth. Oh, yes, he can. Well, I mean, he's not. he doesn't work in government, you know? In a Turtle Dove update, I'm on the <laughs> final, final book of the Magical World War series. It's called Out of Darkness. That's the one where it's World War II. Yes. With with magical creatures yes. and stuff. And it's quite good. Out of Darkness. What was the first one? Was the first one Into Darkness? Yes, I believe so. Okay. And then there were 23 books, and now Out of Darkness. <laughs> I think there was like five. That's still a lot. <laughs> I'm going to create, I'm gonna create, a, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna create a series of books that nobody's going to be sure will end, and it's just like a something you have to struggle through. And the last book is everybody called Light at the End of the Tunnel. Like, <laughs> don't give up yet. Like, there is a way out. This is the you last will see one. it. But it's interesting the way they deal with, like, the nuclear option with magic. How, yeah, how did they cover that? Because that's sort of important to a story I'm writing. They had the two laws of magic, mm-hmm. and then they accidentally discovered the inner link between the two of them, and it tears a hole in the universe and creates tremendous power. What are the two laws of magic? What were they? Relativity and... But it's like if you have a bowl someone used, you can find that person. Law of similarity is mm-hmm. one, and then law of relativity, I think, is the other. So similarity, if you are making a shirt, all you have to do is sew half the shirt and then use a spell, and it will sew the other half. So all you have to do is win half of a war. Possibly. And then, huh? huh? Yeah. And then that's how you get it. And then the other one is, um, I can't remember the name. It's something like relativity where if anyone has touched something, you can find them. But then they find a new one, which is like 50 times the power of anything else. So instead of killing people to get magical energy, you can just like rip it out of the universe. That's bad. What they were doing was they would kill like a thousand people at a time to create a magical ball of energy that then they would throw. There's a thread I read on Reddit today mm-hmm. where a guy was saying, hey, uh, wouldn't people handle their dead differently in a universe where necromancers existed? Yes. Yeah, and it's like they wouldn't have graveyards. You know, they wouldn't have all this thing. Cremation would be yeah. the standard. Yeah, and uh, the, his main concern when asking this question is that he's a DM and he's like, do you think this would feel cheap? to the players like that wants to make a necromancer like you know it would be like cheating them out of the thing and a guy responded and says uh this is dr wally response they would certainly make every attempt to sanctify their dead yes sensible necromancers <laughs> would do their best work on battlefields or during plagues when there are so many dead there hasn't been time for the proper rights to be said for all of them and that just gave me a horribly <laughs> interesting idea yeah. 
Well, if, you, if you're living in a world where necromancy is real and it's like people, yeah. you know, there's no graveyards and stuff and people sort of burn burn the dead. Yeah, battlefields, but also hospitals. Like anywhere people oh, are sick and dying. Terrible. It'd just be like, you just see a line of people staying outside at midnight and it's just like, who are those? Oh. Like the, the, new, the new orderly is like, who are those people? It's like, those are the necromancers waiting for someone to die. And it's like, she said, we have to scare them away. It's like, shoo, shoo. But they, of course, they know magic, so you can't. <laughs> it's some what to some do. angry Spanish lady well, comes no. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Here, no, here's the idea then. Uh, you have a thing called, and he's like, he's the mortician. Morticians have to be badass because necromancers Dude, always try to steal the bodies. Are, 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 are former necromancers who are doing good yeah. at the hospital. Yeah. They make sure people stay dead. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a fucking story right there. Would there be a necromancer's <laughs> guild, like, paid up to the government? Well, I mean, if you have a limited resource, yeah, you kind of have to. You wouldn't want to step on anyone else's toes. Yeah. But then, of course, the government would be like, look, we pay you to keep these people dead, but uh, there's an army in the East Rising, so how about we pay you to keep them semi-dead? <laughs> and then if we need them, we have an army of dead people to defend us, which that's not a bad idea either. Which could like, never backfire. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But like you tell the politicians that, you know. Isn't that kind of the plot of uh, Idiocracy? It has nothing to do with Idiocracy. No, no not, not even a little bit. <laughs> Cryogenically, no can that be Max's new yeah. running gag? Isn't that the plot of yeah. this? Cryogenically freezing people to save them for future war. No, that that is that is how he gets sent to the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about our own stuff. Uh, Liam, you brought in a short work of yeah. creative nonfiction. Yeah, uh, sort of. It's my new favorite game that I like to play. It's called "A Picture's Worth a Thousand Words." I just posted it on my, my Tumblr blog. Send me a picture, and I will send you a thousand words. And someone sent me a picture of a person holding another person who was made of wood and had, like, been chopped into. And then I just oh. went. I See, I, I had a little trouble with that metaphor as it was going. I, because I didn't know where that metaphor was going. <laughs> okay. As, as far as, like, a writing exercise, as, like, a warm-up, that was, like, a little bit over a 1,000 words. That took 24 minutes. Oh, nice. That was – it got me warmed up and primed, and then I, I got to do a, a lot of uh, other work. I liked it. There's a lot of typos that um, I normally don't go into typos, except yeah, for... there's a lot I, of them. I thought you were saying something you weren't a few times. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, what's this word mean? And it's like, oh, no, no, I think it I think it means burnt. I think he meant to write burnt, you know? So it tripped me up a bit. Also, like I said, I was having trouble with the metaphor because I didn't know whether or not you meant literally... Like, I, at a certain point, I was like, are these people trees? <laughs> like... In the middle, I, I was like, I, these people might be trees. Yeah. I, I, um, I, had a, I had the problem with the metaphor as well. I, I didn't think they were trees. I thought they were really old people because you're talking about, like, wrinkles. <laughs> so he's, like, spreading yeah. out the wrinkles on, you know, like, looking in the crevices and in the cracks. And I'm like, it's like that scene from Hook like when I, they're like, there you are, Peter. <laughs> like, I, hope, I, hope, I thought this was a story about two old some, people. To, I, I thought it was about two old people who are old and wrinkled and they're, like, rediscovering each other through their bodies. And I was just like, I don't know where Liam's going with this, but holy shit, this is bold. You know, like... <laughs> Like these two two old people are gonna bang, and then he's like, "Oh, Makes me you know, wash we're only my together." Hands. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, "We were only <laughs> together face. for three years." And I'm like, "Would a guy who's like in his seventies really care about a chick he dated like for three years, like thirty years ago?" I don't know, but that's that's again the classic me not understanding what Liam's. I did to not say. fall into that. <laughs> I assume they were classically assume they're young people, and I picked up on the metaphor. <laughs> But no, but it's but dude, like, no, I get you, exactly oh, yeah, no. what you're saying. Yeah, no, as soon no, as you it's... told me the picture that inspired it, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, okay, I, I got you. I should I have maybe you. included it in the document in which I might actually do that when I, I'll, I'll maybe I'll, before that we post mm-hmm. it, I'll, I'll include it. But yeah, yeah, yeah no. that exercise again. I want to see the photo. I want no, I, but I want to keep doing it because it unblocked me hard. Like okay, yeah, it's like it's like, it's like a brain laxative. Yeah, because well, the, the whole thing is the first for the first five minutes. I was looking at the picture. I'm like, "There's no fucking story here. It's a stupid tree person. I don't little know what kind of boy, little wooden boy." Yeah, but it's, it's mostly just throw up. And I, I have it just because uh, the Goblin PI outline that I started doing a lot of work on. I threw away half of it. That's what it's for. Yeah, that's, that's outline. Um, because I made, I mean, yeah, I made a really big decision about the girl to make her less boring. Because that was uh, the problem. I. I I got about to the halfway mark, and then she didn't need to be in the story anymore. What? Uh, and that was a huge problem. Do you mind if we talk about like what kind of direction do you think? You're yeah. Go with um, story? Yeah. Well, the because the whole thing is I wanted to want it to kind of then be more of a uh, a Cold War kind of spy vibe leading up into it, but it's drawn into through this a very kind of innocuous missing persons case, and then it builds and builds, and suddenly they're in so deep there is no exit. 
So they, um, and it isn't even about finding the guy. I mean, they find him, and that isn't even the end of the story. Where the the reason why he's hiding is the important part. How do you want this story to go? I want it to end where um, I don't know if it's. I think it it might be the dark passage where it starts off as like a guy is involved in his own shit, and then he accidentally stum- stumbles upon like Cold War nuclear weapon right. exchange stuff. I want I want it to escalate to there. This is the first thing that came into my mind is that if. if Maybe something is trying to change hands through him because he's like a nobody and he won't understand what he's looking at. But he's not a nobody. Right, well, that's what that's, I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, um, everybody knows who he is? No, nobody nobody knows who he is very purposefully. We're like, um, and, and this is in the, the campaign, where like there's an organization called the Sparrows. They were the OSS in the war that happened. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they're called the Sparrows is his code name during the war was Sparrow. So then it was the Sparrows men, and then they just became the Sparrows. But after the end of the war, because he is not of a regular humanoid race, he kind of gets politically get push, gets pushed out of that and then kind of erased. Well, that's, um, I, that, I guess that's what I'm thinking is that somebody needs a private eye and, and, and some information is going to pass through because they need like a patsy or something. Yeah. And, and they don't know that this guy was that guy. Um, that was just an idea. That's, that that's I mean, that's definitely going to be part of it. But the, the, again, the Sparrows know who he is. The guy who leads the Sparrows now totally knows who he is. That's why he's brought in. Okay. As kind of a trump card. And the auditors who are the reverse of it, they have no clue. Hmm. And they get in way in over their head where he's like, I know everything you did. I wrote, kind of wrote the book of how clandestine shit works in this country. I love the auditors because they're like the militant the wing of the IRS. <laughs> they're just, when they come to audit you. You don't want to be there. So it's like being in debt in Nevada. It's, yeah. It's like, it's like um, the, the whole thing is the auditors were created just for essentially to process refugees mm-hmm. and immigrants. And then they've slowly expanded their power and do more and more things. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it should bring in the boyers or not. Or So right now, the, the, basic, uh, the basic plot of the story is that you have a goblin detective. Yes. What, what's the first thing that happens in the story? Um, a woman approaches him. For her missing employer, and then he immediately starts going through essentially mob contacts, mm-hmm. looking to see how he got his money for his shop, because that would be a reason for someone to be looking for him. Because he's not that he's he's been kidnapped; he's hiding out. He discovers that he's not he has not been disposed of. He fled. Okay, so he is going to go looking for this guy, and then the whole plot is he's been tricked into searching for this person who fled on their own. Mm-hmm. The girl's not really been employed by him. She's part of this faction, and there's another faction looking for him, and they're they're both looking for him because he was involved in the Doomsday Project of essentially the Nazi. What what yeah. is passing for the Nazis in my world? Okay, well, let's. The, I mean, I'm looking forward to see where this is going, but you're you're essentially remaking the outline. Yeah, because it was it was going way more interpersonal, and I had a lot of character quirks for Trowel that I didn't like. Like, I was trying to go way too cliche. He was going to be hard-boiled and, and an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I decided that that wasn't the proper vice for him. Like, you need a vice. You need a thing that Tra- he's kind of so dealing with. Is Trowel kind of like Garrick in um, Deep Space Nine? Where he's like yeah. a former... He's a man who used to be on top, and now he isn't, but he's still doing his job. And the I think the thing I'm, I'm going to choose from is where he's an insomniac, and he just doesn't sleep enough. And when he's involved in a case, he stops sleeping because he just is getting obsessed and becoming two things. <laughs> so he's got to there's a time limit. He's got to yeah. solve it. Yeah, where he, like yeah, he starts on un- he starts unraveling due to the pressure and some even some like post traumatic stress disorder kind of stuff mm-hmm. where he starts getting back into spy mode. He's very effectual in it, but he loses sight of the particulars of the details and also the fallout because in more victory yeah, was everything. Important thing. Now we're now in a time of peace. That's not the nicest thing to to, to have to deal with. And he also doesn't ha- wield government power anymore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I want this to be the, the eventually to to be a reveal where like the girl was chosen because of something in his past. He recognizes it and is totally aware of it and is not angry where they're at the end where where ev- after everything is tied up. She's like, well, thank you for finding him. He's like, I know you're not. Like, stop, okay. stop. Let's let's stop pretending this was about. And then I also want to um, work in, because I want to write <clears throat> another story afterwards, which is just about White Church, which is a Jack the Ripper ripoff. Jack Figures, the Ripoff? Yeah, and he, he is the one who finds Jack the Ripper. Well, that could even be, what would you call it, a foil, like, or a story that went, you know, runs yeah. through to this well, one. Well, yeah, well, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a previous story, and a lot of not wanting to deal with anything is based on the fact that, like, he solved that case two or three months prior, mm-hmm. and it just took an out of him. And again, brought up a lot of old demons. And then when this happens again, which is again bringing up old shit that he thought he had buried, 
Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to deal with war shit anymore. I thought we were. Oh, I thought we weren't at war anymore. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm stoked for it. I, I, I really, I'm looking forward to seeing an outline, <laughs> I, <laughs> so that we can, like, yeah. Because the last one I had, it. yeah, the last one I had was like two and a half, three chapters, mm-hmm. and then I got to like twelve. The decision I made for the fourth chapter is the thing, the immediate thing where I'm like, this is one, it's a stupid vice, and two, the girl character that's supposed to be the impetus of the the first quarter of it she became less and less important and it felt weird having her drop from the story and she kind of became a tag along character and then it's less clean because they're i started introducing other characters who have to deal with more political stuff for me it's a better narrative if she is that already it sounds kind of like uh you might like to read every time i recommend liam sees a movie or reads a book that i think would be very fitting he's already done it but i'm gonna risk this one anyway Liam, did you ever see the spy who came in from the cold? No. That's a cold. That is Cold War like one hundred percent spy thing, and uh, it's not a lot of detective work involved. It's not a stretch <laughs> for me to say it felt like the most realistic Cold War movie I've ever seen. It would be boring compared to like any spy movie you'd see nowadays. But if you want like something that feels so freaking real with these interesting yeah, characters, well, I, I mean, can't I, recommend I, something better. I do. Have, I do have one more question though. Um, so Bowman is going to be his compliment and i need to flesh that character out more if you if, if you're dealing with like an overly cerebral sneaky dude who's a yeah an insomniac what's a good foil and why should he trust him i want to recommend to you the book neuromancer because it sounds like the sci-fi equivalent mm-hmm. of what you're trying to do with fantasy and the main character isn't a pi but he's a form he's a war vet who had mm-hmm. a specific job in the last war and that's what they're using him for so it's like this it's noir, but it's also a heist. But he never knows the details going in, and he has to suss it out and find his contacts and stuff. And there's a ton of characters in that story. There's the character that's their boss who has his own problems. And then there's the lady, and I can't remember her name. I'll put it in as a retraction, but they call her Step and Razor. <laughs> she's, she's an assassin. She's from Johnny Mnemonic as well. And uh, there's a lot of really good stuff it does with it. Um, I mean, you could have a romantic relationship like they do in that. You could have... I'm, I'm, I'm already wanting the girl to try to be a, a romantic honeypot, and then he just doesn't go for it. Because okay. it's to him, it's very... Um, obvious. Uh, yeah, super obvious. But he plays along with enough to figure out what she wants. What about you, Doug? Tell us what you brought in. Well, like last week, I brought in the first scene of The Planet Without Christmas. Um, this one's longer. Uh, a little bit better. It took some of your guys' advice and notes. I saw the the weight thing rather than the length. <clears throat> I puzzled over that for a long time, and um, I realized that the size of the ship doesn't really matter. You know, having the yeah, weight would be a bigger th- bigger deal. Plus, the idea of him having to use the shuttlecraft and like have a rush emergency landing. It's like he can't really change the size of his ship. So he was either gonna have to like I was gonna have him like break the law and then like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna just go down to the shuttlecraft and get there early and tell them oh it's still arriving. It just it didn't make that much sense. But now with the weight being a problem, I could be more specific about the weight and have it feel like it's screwing him over even more. So it's not about the size of the ship; it's about the weight that he's carrying. Because mass is kind of a harder thing to fuck with. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it's so, just like, okay, well, what can we do? You know, like, I can't. And, and, and even specifically, the weight of the cargo, not the weight of the ship. Because if it's just the weight of the ship, he's like, all right, we'll dump our waste. You know, dump, you know, this, dump this, and then we can we can land. Or if it's just the mass. But instead, it's like, no, we can see, and your computer's not lying, the weight of your cargo is this. And he can't dump his cargo because that's his lifeline. That's his job. So it puts yeah, him in a really yeah. tough spot. And um, the way he gets around it. Uh, now, which I think is more interesting, is he goes, okay, if I take the shuttlecraft and I fill it with, like, let's say 10 trees, that'll be enough weight difference to where I can fly down separate and the lamb's tail can fly down behind me and be both under the weight limit and we can skip this whole bullshit and we'll, we'll arrive. So that's right where I stopped it, where he gets the idea, he goes into the cargo bay, he starts to move uh, several trees by hand to add to the frantic rush, you know, to like, to, to get it in there. It's going to end, I, I didn't get this far, but it's going to be, you know, he, you're just, I'm going to cut to him in the shuttlecraft with these trees like thrown in, like squeezed in there. It's going to be really uncomfortable and crazy and silly. So hopefully that'll be a comedic yeah. continuation. I like his but anyway, rapport so. with uh, Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that worked Alrighty. out really well. I mean, even just based on what I again, we've read the outline. I like the the tone and the images. I like that it ended where where we had read at the moment where he's trying to shove a tree out of 
<laughs> through a small opening. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, again, because it's like you can't open the cargo doors because that you'd open it into space. So it's like I have to get cargo from the cargo bay through what would normally be like, I don't want to say an emergency escape pod, but definitely like it's made for people to get into the shuttlecraft. It's not made for, yeah. for, for moving goods. I mean, everyone's had to move a Christmas tree. You know what I mean? So it's like just yeah. the humor yeah. of how, trying to move it's this into a home ass, and yeah. it's still a pain in the ass. Yeah. So he. What if- <laughs> It's like it's a passenger vessel, and he like walks over to one of the trees and puts a pair of sunglasses on. Like, Good, buddy. If he wasn't in a rush, yeah, that'd be great. But uh, but yeah. considering he's like he's literally gonna like as soon as he gets out, he's gonna like throw these trees, you know, into the shuttlecraft and go back and pick it up. And I'm and I'm imagining each one weighs anywhere between fifty fifty to seventy pounds because they're live trees mm-hmm. and there's water weight and you know, all this other stuff. So um, I I I, I spent like maybe a good. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details hour trying to determine how much does the standard christmas tree weigh and then i had to find the right species it, I, that was a rabbit hole i do not recommend going down but yeah trying to find the weight of a living tree and and but without having proper dimensions but then anyway so uh, that was tricky but I, I think i got it and um each tree weighs about 50 to 70 pounds um he's gonna move like 10 of them into the shuttlecraft and be like, all right that's enough we gotta go and then it's gonna then there's gonna be a, an interesting little chase where it's like i'm thinking now the the idea of this chase is that he's gonna have to weave through traffic really fast but He's just a little shuttlecraft, so it's really not that big of a deal for him. But he's kiting a large cargo vessel behind him. So trying to get through traffic like that, that'll be interesting. Hopefully it's mm-hmm. like a reverse chase, like uh, trying to get them to follow it closely and stuff. Because he has an artificial intelligent machine trying to follow his path. And, you know, he's got to be wary of that. So, and again, I don't want this to go on for too long because we've got to get, you know, got to get the story moving. Got to get to, you know, the plant without Christmas. But um, at least have a fun, hopefully exciting yeah. little chase in the beginning to show I'm you. with it. You know. You know, once he lands and they're going to unload more, he's going to have like the, it's going to it's not going to be him unloading it, but it'll be like an automated you know little cart that you know floats down or whatever. Yeah. And um and I and I didn't have the time to to get that far into the story, but I am going to take the advice of having his wife be like the dispatcher or operator. So I'm thinking like during the chase, he's going to be like close to landing. And it's like all crazy and stuff, and it's going to be like incoming call, and it's Peter's going to be like, uh, uh, Captain, you got an incoming call from your uh from dispatch. And he's like, oh shit! <laughs> he's going to put it flip it on the audio and be like, hi honey, like immediately. You know, to like so so you're you're learning several things at once. Hopefully, cool. that uh, that this is a family run business and that it's he knows he's already in trouble because she's calling because he's probably already late. You know, all these things uh, piling right. up. So, um, I also shortened some of the jokes a little bit. To hopefully, get a little bit funnier, a little bit tighter. But other than that, that's that was uh, those are the only real changes, and that is a little bit longer. But I know I know there's not a lot to go on because it's literally just like the first four pages. But you know, so anyway, any other thoughts? I I dig it, man. I just want to see more. I thought the exchanges were good. Uh, I like changing it from the from the length to the weight. I, I don't have anything mm-hmm. else to say, really. I mean, it's not that much longer than the last time we saw it, but I like the change but that it, you made. It motherfucker moves. Yeah, it moves fast. It's, it yeah. goes. Yeah, because right, I was worried it was going to drag. That's why, like, it, like him trying to figure out the weight thing, I almost thought that was too fast, but whatever. I'm just going to – I mean, this is the first draft. I'm just going to go. So I'm going to go, and then I'll, after the first draft is done, then I'm going to worry about deleting scenes or extending stuff, or whatever. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, man. Okay, I dig cool. it. We're with it. Cool. We want it. Max, um, what are you what are you working on? I am working on my magical education story. I'm actually gutting it because I um I started writing it a little too Broadly. instead of British fantasy, more like Irish kind of prehistoric Irish stuff. But I was doing it in the sense of the way people do British medieval history, to where like they want magic and they want them to have kind of Renaissance level technology, but they want it to be like before Christianity and everything. And I was doing the same thing with Irish history, and I want to get away with that. But it's about a kid who his family gets killed and he gets picked up by this witch who kind of sees that he can do a little bit of magic because he survived people killing his family. So she teaches him and then he goes off in the world and he's got all this power and he's a dick. Sounds like Merlin. 
Ronin kind Kenshin. <laughs> Actually, it is based off the story of Merlin because he's walking along and this king is like, hey, come over here. And he's like, what? He goes, well, I want to take this fortress. Bring me some dragons. And he's like, well, dragons aren't really anything to fuck around with. What if we don't do that? And the king's <laughs> like, okay. So what he does is he um, convinces the king to tell the walls that if they tumble, he'll build them bigger and better. So the king agrees to that. And the kid is able to talk to the stone mm-hmm. and gets them to tumble. So the army comes in and destroys everything. And then later on in the story, that's going to fuck him over. Because the, the king doesn't build them bigger. Well, no, he will. But everything he needed from, like, the magical library is looted and destroyed. So it's a lot about, like, the hubris of a young, powerful person fucking themselves over and then having to fix it. And he said, like, Let me give, come get me some dragons. That's right yeah. from Merlin. Yeah, that's <laughs> like the two, the two dragons were fighting. I was thinking of that, like, he's walking down the road. He just kind of graduated. The witch is like, okay, you're ready to go off and see the world. And then he's just strolling along, and he, the king's like, bring down some dragons. He's like, you really don't you understand don't. dragons. <laughs> like, that, I can bring them down, but I can't tell them what to do. It's like, it's like hippos. You know? yeah. No, it's for like, real. It's, and you wouldn't be like, hey, yeah. hey, why don't you? Because like, remember Pablo Escobar had a hippo, yeah. and that thing got loose. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Like, it was, I, it I was haven't heard the story. Oh, yeah, man. God. Hold on. I'll pull up a list of all the stuff they found in that hippo's stomach when they finally killed it. What? Oh, my God. Oh, so apparently he had several hippos, and they're running loose in <laughs> Colombia, and they're a huge problem <laughs> because they're, they're really dangerous. Holy shit. All right. The so, worst invasive species. Here are 12 foreign objects <laughs> found in Pepe's stomach. Pablo Escobar's hippos. One pair of falcon tactical sunglasses. <laughs> a, <laughs> a man's arm. Whoa. Uh, well, they find his ulna. His okay. ulna with digital camo on the sleeve. Oh, so I imagine he was glove. wearing the glasses and he's like, I'm going to get this hippo. <laughs> <laughs> three... <laughs> Three three seventy eight Magnum rounds, not not spent. Just yeah. he ate them. <laughs> just in the, throw the bullets. Yeah. Throw them. Um, a map of outer Puerto Barrio. <laughs> uh, a golden torpedo cigar butt. A Jeep Wrangler's headlight. <laughs> missing cattle. He ate, I guess, or swallowed. Um, yes, something belonging to a government death squad. It looks like a, a, a bandana. The keys to a Porsche. <laughs> oh no! Someone's real mad about that. Yeah. Uh, really expensive fencing material. Uh, a super swamper tire. <laughs> <laughs> a jungle boot with a tibia in it, and that's it. Yeah. All right. And his his girlfriend Matilda is still at large. But here's here's a question: If you were in an MMO and you killed that. That's boss level loot, right? That's yeah. oh. <laughs> true. Guys, like, I think oh, we got to plan. He's to a Porsche. <laughs> we got to go find. That's the quest. We have to go <laughs> find, find the, the Porsche. Porsche. But that's your new weapon is the tibia with the with, <laughs> with, with the, the boot in it. Yeah. You got a couple of rounds. You got to find a gun to use to shoot those magnum yeah. rounds. But uh, for my story, my <laughs> sorry. No, that's real. amazing. Yeah, I, that was I so never cool. heard that. Was that. Cool. I just want to figure out the world a little more because it's going to be like kind of four warring kingdoms because the Irish period everyone was just killing the shit out of each other all the time it was before the concept of the nation state yeah so I want to figure out the world a little less Irish a little more fantasy style so is this like uh, pre-Druidic like with the, it's the Druidic. Beaker people or no it's Druidic it's pre-Christianity it's kind of shitty I don't know enough to do it justice, okay. so I don't want to do it. To, we have to make it up. Well, I know a lot, but not enough. Like, the naming is really hard. The names back then were just even crazier than they are now. Well, if uh, you yeah. run out of mm-hmm. uh, steam on trying to create crazy names or magical worlds, I'm still down for Uber Shooter. Oh, yeah. I want Uber Shooter. Yeah, I have weird... I jump around a lot, and it's hard for me to stick to one thing at a time. This is something I've been working on for a while, and I really would like to change the setting just doing a better job of having a setting and i want to have kind of the vikings coming into ireland that whole chaos of stuff going on keep that but without just kind of having a plastic setting if you know what i mean you can make your own right yeah and in fact that frees you up to do a lot of stuff because if you make your your own setting you can have it based on on a historical setting yeah like game of thrones like game of thrones and then yeah and then you get to make fun of history and current politics mm-hmm. or use it as a base of reference i was reading it a week ago and before my computer crashed and i was just like ah, i don't i'm not a fan of what i did i like the story and the magic style is more like there are gods and magic is what effort you put into it so if you're just bullshitting I, the gods well, are gonna fuck it up for you i like the idea they're like oh no just talk the walls into falling down yeah you yeah, you, like can, you like can that. do that <laughs> that's how magic works 
it's insane. That's like a trickster, yeah. a trickster yeah. god story. You know? Yeah, where he, like if you have a magic ability, you can just talk to the spirit. Like he could talk to the dragons and bring them down, but then everyone would die. The first enemy kind of that he meets is a raven, kind of a raven god. And I want to do another story about his teacher because he come. He was the most powerful wizard in Scandinavia, mm-hmm. and he got too cocky, so he started battling the gods. It, when and, you have two cockies, that mean you're bisexual? Yeah. To where the gods turn him into the spirit of madness. Shea Kind of. To where he is ravens. His consciousness is made up of like a million ravens that can come together. That could be interesting. And he's he also, battlefields. He's raven mad. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. He's ranting and, and raven. raven. <laughs> so I like I, it. Yeah. I would like to make up a better setting to set the story in. That sounds good. I like yeah. that so far. I might even storyboard it a little kind of outline it that'd be cool i'd love to see an outline from you yeah. max ever if i can get my new hard drive to work that'd be grand uh as for me i didn't bring in anything because i've been struggling again with this because i'm at the exp- like extreme exposition part of the story uh info dumping a little yeah well i'm trying to create scenes that it that you can get a lot of information across and so that you can just keep moving and that are entertaining because yeah, you, exactly. you, you've succeeded in, in that in the in the second and third chapter pretty well well thank you uh it's really <laughs> It's not very easy to do at all. Uh, I've been working on this scene right now, and what I have it is is another week has passed. Malcolm is more used to them, but now Kilvin is taking him out of his house so that he can tell him where to be in the village. And I think some of the info dump, as long as Kilvin is the presenter of it, will be interesting in its own right. It'll be entertaining. And it will make sense because you have the window of Malcolm. Right now the premise is that nobody's happy that Kilvin is taking Malcolm out of the house because they're like, what are you doing? And show him the secrets, but... Nobody really wants to confront Kilvin because he's very intimidating, <laughs> and and they're all intimidated. So you're going to get a lot about what goes on in the village, you know, tribes or clans or whatever you want to call them, or whatever I want to call them, and simple rules. But what I need is a reason for him to keep taking Malcolm out of the house, and I think it's because he needs to get a job in the sense that he needs to be productive and he needs to help out if he's going to stay there because they're not going to get any information from him. Kilvin's like, look, you're keeping up this fiction about you being an alien, whatever, but I'm convinced you don't know anything worth knowing, regardless of what anybody else thinks. Or you're just an idiot. Right, and while you're here, we might as well get some use out of you. Well, like, are they farmers? How do they eat? They do farm. They hunt. Okay. They do lots of stuff. Because that kind of community would have no room for someone to just sit around. Exactly. you got to have him do something, otherwise he's just a mouth to feed that contributes nothing. Exactly. That's what I, that's exactly what, what my thought process is. So I was thinking he could help out with a blacksmith. He could help out. Well, I would, I would almost say like just even lifting. If he's a, a structurally well, he, different creature. Kilvin, I think, <clears throat> has been very critical of him because he is weak. Like, you know, whereas kids his age that he's seen, they're much yeah. more robust than Malcolm. Malcolm's, you know. Well, that could even lend credence to the story. There's a good um, time travel story I read. It's about a guy who, um, during the Cold War, he's in... Iceland. He's a U.S. soldier, and he gets sent back in time to like the 800s. And, right about the Vikings' time that you're yeah. watching right now. Well, he's just there, and they're like, "Okay, who are you?" And he speaks Icelandic, which is a language that hasn't changed in like a thousand years. Yeah. So he can speak to them, and he's like, "Oh, I'm from the future," and they're like, "Oh, that's bullshit." And then he can't do anything, like nothing, and they're like, "Oh, okay, that kind of makes sense." And he's <laughs> like he doesn't know gun. how to. He doesn't have any practical skills. Yeah, like he's like they're like, "Can you work metal?" He's like, "Oh yeah," and then he just breaks a spear, and they're like. He doesn't know how to fish, he doesn't know how to sail, he doesn't know how to farm. So, like, he can't be from their time because he can't do anything. Because he would not have made it this long. Yeah, he's a grown man. They're like, no, it doesn't. That could lend credence to Malcolm being in front of the world because he can't do anything. He can't feed himself. Yeah, I I think that's what it's going to frustrate Kilvin the most. But but in the most that he knows that Malcolm isn't some spy... (laughs) Yeah. You know, because he doesn't, he doesn't know how to do anything. He doesn't know how to navigate the woods. You know, he doesn't know how, he, he's out here by accident, as far as Kilvin can tell. You could even, like, have them kind of fake let him go to see what he does, and he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he doesn't know how to do anything. That's, you know, that's not a bad idea, yeah. where, Ooh, where he's yeah. like, I'm going to set him free, yeah. see where you'll follow him, see where he we goes. Can, yeah, we can travel faster than he can. And he's no he way he'll he run won't us. see us. Yeah. He yeah. walks farther into the woods, and they're like, he just gets out there yeah. and he just like sits down. Yeah. Like I don't know what. Yeah. Like what am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? Maybe maybe that's that's yeah. a pretty good idea. I, I do like, um, but I do want I do want to have a role in the village. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I keep banging my head against. Um, the whole thing is then find what you want Malcolm to be capable of later. Well, I know Kilvin's gonna train him to be 
to be doing that stuff. But I think I want him to be making things, right? Because I think he becomes an engineer later. That's that, that becomes his passion is making things. And that's the mm-hmm. thing that is outside of the current yes. world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe so that'll be the deal. We're I was like, thinking bla- blacksmithing. They have uh, wood shapers, but that's a very patient job. Yeah. You know, like they, <laughs> that's that's something think, you well, just set the groundwork for. Blacksmithing would be interesting, especially if um, where you don't even have to be a genius in the modern world to just know a handful of even just geometric properties or, or even just I mean, basic you, stuff you that a child to, could know. Where you have to like, have talent to yeah. be a good blacks, blacksmith. But I mean, I'm he, saying he I'm be saying taught. critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And basic scientific knowledge is going to be his advantage because that's what well, grade school yeah, is I'm about. I think what would be because they they need Fletchers, right? So they yeah. need, they need they need uh, iron arrowheads. They need weapons. So they they have like swords and stuff like that that they use. They don't have horses or anything like that. So I'm trying to think of what would a blacksmith. So no farriers, yeah. Yeah, what would a blacksmith's job be? Because most of their stuff's made from wood. Any kind of farming tools. Oh yeah, farming tools. Farming great, tools. Yeah, yeah, great idea. Yeah, farming tools, weapons. <laughs> As a uh, oh amateur, man, okay, amateur blacksmith. The whole know? thing is yeah. they have no they have no beast of burden, right? Right. Yeah. Plow. He could make a plow. He could make a plow and then pull it. Oh, that's not a bad idea. You mean they turn Malcolm into they, a beast of burden? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well the no, whole thing he, is he could do it. Like he, he could. He, he's seen a plow before. He could. And then he he just literally makes a thing. And then rather than going forward, he would backstep. He would plant the thing and then just pull it through. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about that because I think I think way of. Uh, Maybe he'll do one job one day, another job the next to kind of learn how to, you know. It's like if you're going to be in this village, you got to do something. You may may be in here the rest of your life. Like we 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 never find your family. And then maybe one of the things that they should talk about were like he does nothing particularly well, but he seems to take to everything very equally. Mm -hmm. Where where he's he's a he's a quick learner. He's a quick learner. Or even they could talk about where like his his hands fumble, but his mind doesn't doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like he's getting the concepts conceptually. He's always always there. And I think creativity. Maybe, like like that's a that's something they're not really big on. Yeah. So they they don't they're not very inventive. They just they do things a certain way and they keep getting better at those things. Shut that's up. that's a good example. I'm I'm gonna try to think of a couple things. Yeah. That's that really helps a lot because as soon as I've got a job for him to do in the village, that becomes a vehicle for exposition where it's some new person's explaining something to him and another person's explaining something to him, and it's not really very boring. And I think may, they might be preparing for the winter, so he has to spend a winter with them maybe, and that's. Yeah, that's the time for crafts and stories and yeah, all kinds of shit. Well, and a lot of social interaction because oh, you yeah. have a lot of time all of a sudden on your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about the role. So the, the females in their village are the ones who guard the perimeter and stuff like that. Males are expected to know how to do it, and women are the females are expected to know some of the martial aspects and the farming aspects of the males because – they have a high attrition rate, you know, like of, of people who die. So, for instance, Kilvin is a male who is captain of the guard because he's just the best at being out there and doing everything that the guards need to do. But he's a male where normally it's only females, but because he's, his wife died. When Kilvin decides to start training Malcolm, is it seen by everyone else as insane? I think he keeps it secret from, Mal- okay. from everyone else until – it needs to be brought up. So I, I, I want it to be something secret inside their house because because they don't even know he's training his own kids because there's some secret. Kilvin has a backstory that w- the reason why everybody's afraid of him is because he's rumored to have killed his own family for making the his harangue, his, his fighting style, for polluting it. That's not the reason that they're dead, but that's what everybody thinks it is, and he's kind of sworn off. You know, He's not going to seek another mate. He's not going to get more kids. And they don't even know that he's training his own children because he has such a distaste for the whole thing. So then when he fi- finds out that not only is he training his own kids, but he's training, you know, a foreigner, that's a big deal in their village. They, they're very upset with him. Well, anyways, thank you guys. That's really helpful. That'll, yeah. that'll help me out, help me move past where I've been writing and rewriting. Well, yeah, and that's, again, the point of all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's let's move on to the um, Bad Story Trailers. Bad Story part, Trailers. Part of the podcast. Bop, 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 bad Story Trailers. All right. So up next is the Bad Story Trailers part of the podcast where we roll the dice, pick three genres, and then put together a movie and then record the trailer. So first number is 43, Gas Lamp Fantasy. We've had this one before, mm-hmm. but let's keep it for now. I don't. Right? Do we even use it? 
I thought that was one Only of the ones slightly, we, yeah. I thought we I threw say, it away. Fantasy's counterpart to steampunk, in which settings are often Victorian or Edwardian socially or technologically, but with non-scientific elements or characters included. Although it was originated by girl genius, modern Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, and Jane Austen pastiche would also fit within this subgenre. Uh, leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, maybe? That's, Frankenstein? That, that counts. Yeah, they'll do it. That's more um, science fiction. biopunk. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is science fiction. All right, Max. 63. Paranoid. I like this already. Paranoid fiction is works of literature that explore the subjective nature of reality and how it can be manipulated by forces in power. These forces can be external, such as totalitarian government, or they can be internal, such as a character's mental illness or refusal to accept the harshness of the world or he or she is in. Like Black Swan, I'd imagine, yeah. right? That's the most paranoid. Or the, or the girl in the wallpaper. Yeah. What's our next number? 99. 99. Police drama. Hmm. Gas lamp, police drama, paranoid. But a right. totalitarian. Well, the first thing I think of is a constable. <clears throat> what would you think? Okay, what about somebody? Somebody who's on the po- a secret police. All right. In a gas lamp fantasy universe. Okay. And realizes that they're being set up to take a fall. Yes. Or or, or are constantly they? suspects it. Yeah, exactly. So I'd imagine it'd be like uh, 1984, where. The further he goes, the more he's like, wait, this is happening to me, isn't it? This is this is another sign of it. Like, I need to be ever vigilant, you know? I don't know. It could also, you could tie into taking the Black Swan uh, scenario, like, if he starts to see things, like things that he can't explain, and he starts to wonder, is this a, is this a curse someone's putting upon me, or am I actually seeing something? Because if this is, you know, Gaslight yeah. Fantasy, this is a world with fantasy creatures and magic, and, then, like, somebody and it's can like, a, right. Somebody can approach him and be like, hey man, you're not actually a member of the secret police, like, you're you're something you're, else. You were somebody else there. That, that that. Uh, yeah, you only think they put, they put this yeah. curse on. To- total recalling you. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, like, dude. Oh, I was gonna say like that was my favorite part of um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep when they bring Deckard oh. into the police station and they're yeah. like, "You're not a Blade Runner. You're not registered." And he's like, "Ah, look it up." And they look it up and like, "Dude, you're not here." And he's like, "All right, dude, I'm gonna call my wife and she'll tell you." And he calls his home phone number and a stranger answers the phone. I said like, I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing." So like. That something but, like that would be really cool, and yeah. it turns out yeah. they were just fucking with them. Yeah, but they, they immediately, they immediately, like they pull, they, they're about to pull the rug out from under you, but then they immediately slip it right back. It's like it was, it was, it was a, it was the weakest fake out. But if this was the whole movie, yeah, I mean, that was yeah. actually one of the things I didn't like about that story was they didn't hang on to that enough. Well, it's, it's like, a, and they also slipped in the other Blade Runner guy a little too yeah. easily. Yeah. Well, like a uh, uh, Night's Little Republic was kind of like this as well. Yeah, you know? like that. So, can I throw out a title for this? Yeah, yeah. The Gilded Rage. Gilded Rage. Why? Because the Gilded Age. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the uh, number 21. Ooh. 23. <laughs> so, okay, so we've got a main character. Yeah. Uh, what if it's... Okay, so so what's what's her position? She's a... What's the secret um, police called? Um, I'm going to go... Well, I don't know the secret police... Shadow cabinet. The auditors. I don't know what the secret police are called but she would just be an analyst or if she's a spy i i, I would almost say like she, she's a desk jockey okay um a handler a, an information well, she, processor police drama it's got to be yeah yeah but the whole thing is she works with the police she is in the police service okay what if she's like but she's uh, just doing like the paperwork. equivalent of like an evidence clerk like someone who's just like okay we brought in here's all these magical items that we're bringing in you know like okay we hey we arrested that necromancer who was hanging around the the hospital you know like here's what yeah. he had on him and it's all this weird freaky shit she's dealing with this freaky you know magic equipment all the time like that's her job is to categorize all this stuff she, it's not like she has a lot of authority it's like a clerk but you're exposed to all this stuff all the time and she starts to get paranoid like you know is this stuff having an well, effect what if, on me it's we called green branch well, there needs to be a the <clears throat> subplot needs to be that that it doesn't have to be true, but somebody that the plausible subplot that makes her paranoid has to be that there has to be a reason why somebody put her here and ch- and things may not be as they seem, right? right? So, what if like evidence is disappearing? Maybe. Well, I mean, like she just shows up for work one day at the police station and she's like got you know she's there and she's about to walk in. And they're like, "Who are you?" She's like, "It's me. It's it's." Samantha. Oh shit! And she thought she thinks maybe it's like some of the evidence did this to yeah, her, or like, or, or you know, and and she's like, it's me. Don't you? Re- I'm I'm here like every I'm here every day. And they're like, sorry, ma'am, I've never met you before. And then it's like, uh, she starts to, like think, okay, maybe someone placed a curse upon the police station. They don't remember me. I'm gonna have to break in. And then, but like, like she'll, there's many things that she can do, but she doesn't know. Did someone curse everyone around her? Is she cursed? 
does she legit not remember or does she have false memories that that's part of the curse that someone made like she wasn't she never actually set foot in the police station before but she just has and then she's got to get in but what's the what is the subplot in the sense that like what would be somebody's objective that she's trying to figure out if it is true um maybe and she's not crazy well like maybe she maybe some of the evidence that was brought in that she just definitely confirmed or whatever is like a higher up person like a high up mage has dealings with and they need to make the evidence go away but also when they make the evidence go away they they need the clerk that processed it yeah why would they why would they just make it so that nobody knows her instead of just killing her well, I mean, that's uh, that's part of the death, paranoia. Death, but that's the thing. Like, maybe maybe, messy, maybe she's not actually a clerk. People are everywhere. Like, maybe maybe she is just cursed. Yeah. Like, no, are, are, we, are we trying, are we trying to figure out what the real situation is, or just like what miscellaneous? No, things? no. What? Okay, so so the paranoid drama is, is that something is happening that nobody else sees but them. Right. 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 So what is that thing? It, they have just put together an idea for it to be happening. It's not just a bunch of random people or random things. There has to be things that like spell a trend. You know what I mean? Like um, she comes in and she sees someone she doesn't recognize. Yeah. Oh, so that's and everyone that's else a little better. Yeah. yeah, that's better. Yeah. Just everyone else know. is like, oh, do you know Jim? And she's like, no, who is that? And I'm like, he's he's, he's worked here yeah. for ten years. He's been there the whole. Oh, time. so like someone's but, implanted there, and she's the only one who yeah. recognizes him or recognizes and, and him. And the only who doesn't recognize yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And her, and maybe maybe the only thing that's special about her is that having dealt with uh, with items Ooh. for so long, it's she's like got she's an immunity just, to it. She just got immunity. She's 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 handled too much magic to not be a little a little uh, have a little fortitude against. But she doesn't maybe, know maybe, that because she doesn't know magic. She just knows yeah. that there or is maybe, magic. Maybe she does get hit by one of the items that she's cataloging, and that's what freed her. And then oh and yeah then, yeah well, and then she's like Who and is then this guy? straight up they live. Yeah maybe. yeah yeah. Magic. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say like the whole universe or anything, but definitely like she can see a local conspiracy. Yeah. Like so Len- lens of truth. So it happens like like a month. Like it happens, and then like a month later, she comes back, and then just one day she's at work. She's like, "Who's this guy?" And they're like, "What? Do you, what do you, come on, you got hit with that item." You know, she's like, "That was a month ago. Who is this guy?" You know what I mean? Like, what? What are you talking about? And everybody's trying to gaslight her. Like, "You're crazy. You're crazy. Like, that's not. You know, th- th- this guy's worked here the he's whole time. He's been here. So, for, no, he's about to retire no, in two dude, weeks. Also, and then she's by the like, way, th- th- by she's the way, put it together. Like, wait a minute. Wait they're a minute. gonna gaslight her. Yeah, gaslight. Yeah. So what if? Then she like starts seeing like other people. Wait a minute! She starts going through all this evidence log and employee files and stuff like that. She's like, "This guy's only worked here two weeks. He's he's about to he's about to get his ten year you know anniversary present or something like that." Yeah, I like I like the idea that what's really going on is that she's immune to magic because of this, or that this random freak of accident event made her immune. But we, the audience, and her are like, maybe this has given her a power that she hasn't seen before. Maybe maybe she's being yeah. cursed or whatever. But but the twist being that no, actually she's one hundred percent that normal. she's the one unaffected, or that she might have gotten cursed with something that just makes her completely forget specific people. Yeah, right. like it just like it'll pick, and you it'll don't pick know random which person. One. Yeah, she go to therapist and stuff, and he's like, I don't see any trace of magical curse on you whatsoever. And she's like, I don't know. The magical it's like there must be something yeah. wrong, you know. Then, then everyone's against yeah. her, or, or even yeah, well, yeah. There, well, there would be there would be like a witch doctor, and he's like, "No, you're not cursed at all." And she's like, "Well, I'm not a witch. Why am I? Why am I coming to see you?" <laughs> well, she would she <laughs> she would go to the police psychiatrist. That's a max level joke. <laughs> Fuck you. Max wouldn't have delivered it that way. Yeah. You're right. He would have been way more blunt and worse about it. That's true. He's nodding. Everyone, he's nodding. Yeah. But wouldn't she go see the police psychiatrist first? He or she would be like, "Oh, there's nothing wrong." She'd be like, "You're not." Yeah, but I mean, what a police, a police on psychologist, it. you know, would yeah. tell her. That well, okay, so yeah. we got we got the base. That's yeah. I think. Well, that's she would have to be enough. a hot lady that the guy falls in love with. So now, no, we have a lady. So now her. we know what oh. kind of conspiracy that she thinks is happening. Right. What do we call this movie? Gaslight is super important to put in this. I think. In fact, if it was just called Gaslighting, I'm sold. I think. Yeah, the evidence locker. I think the, ga- ga- Gaslight. Or yeah. Just, just call it Gaslight. I would yeah. say Gaslight Magic or Gaslight Curse. Ooh. The gaslight curse because basically what they did to Dave Chappelle, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like gaslight. I don't want to do this anymore. You're crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey man, how come the door to my office is is on a different wall? What are you talking about? Well, just gaslight fantasy instead of gas lamp fantasy. Now, like that yeah. bridges those two together. Okay, yeah. Gaslight fantasy. Cool. All right, right that says what it is. Gaslight fantasy. For someone who saw magical artifacts every day. Colette's life was pretty bland. Hey, hello. Morning, Golden. This is item 349BQ. But one special item would turn her world upside down. 
What's this one? Don't know. Sees if I'm a real piece of work. Sork was running a mind control brothel. By the gods, that's awful. We don't know what any of this crap is yet, so be careful. Merlin's ghost! Are you okay? I think so. I don't feel any different. Let's go see the Diviner, just in case. Had she really escaped unscathed? You were sorely missed. Poor Luke mislabeled half the warehouse without you. Oh, come on. 25%. Tops. I'm sorry. Do I know you? (laughs) Oh, that's cold. (laughs) Harry thought of all this just for your return. That's a hell of a way to treat an old friend, huh? Uh, it's it's all right. Uh, Golden, what is this? I've, I've never met this man before in my life. Magic, mystery, and frightful horrors await in Gaslight Fantasy. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Bad Storytellers, now presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream us from Google Play. I've been your host, Josh LaForge, and I'd like to thank my writing group again, Doug Banks, Liam Malone, and Max Wessel. Now remember, as listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow to find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Bad Storytellers on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.